Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Today's episode is a continuation of our Lenten series about a change in perspective. Each week of the Lenten season, we'll be posting an episode where you're going to be invited to think about an old tried and true scripture story in a different way. Today's episode, I'm really excited to share it with you. I bring on intern Rita and we have a conversation. We thought that this would make for a more interesting and more dynamic episode if we were talking about the insights that she has about Genesis chapter 2. So intern Rita does a great job with the uh, unpacking of this biblical text and really giving you a very different way of thinking about it. I hope that I um, do a decent enough job asking the types of clarifying questions that you probably are dying to ask as you listen to it. And yeah, it's a really delightful conversation. Uh, Hope you enjoy it. Hope it gives you something new to think about during this Lenten season, to just look at your faith in a different way. That's what Lent provides us with, is this opportunity to shift things. Uh, As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing these episodes with family and friends. But now, a conversation between intern Rita and I about Genesis chapter 2 from a different perspective. Hey, everybody. It's the Together for Good podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm sitting here with... Intern Rita. Intern Rita on the podcast. Uh, Yeah, so we are in the midst of Lent and we're doing this whole change in perspective series on the podcast where we're going to be looking at familiar Bible stories and maybe giving you some new things to think about. Intern Rita had the great idea of doing this conversationally. Mm -hmm. She's the one that's done all the research. She has all the really interesting points, as you might guess. It deals with some ancient Hebrew language, which is definitely her jam and not mine. But uh, we're going to talk about this. So, Intern Rita, what story have you selected for us today? So, for this story, we have to go way back. Way back. Way, way, way back. Let's get the way back machine. Like, uh, before Jesus walked on the earth. Okay. Before the kings, before the prophets. Oh, my gosh. Before Abraham, even. Before Noah? Before Noah. Before Pastor Gary? Before Pastor Gary. (laughs) I hope he listens to this. Way before Pastor Gary, uh, we're going back to the ever-familiar story of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, as found in Genesis chapter 2. Yep. And so this is one of our creation stories. There's, in case you didn't know, here's a change of perspective, right? Two creation stories. There are, yep. Genesis chapter 1 kind of tells it one way. Genesis 2 tells it a different way. Yeah, and I mean, Genesis chapter 2 literally starts with another telling of the creation. Does it really? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh my gosh, you're totally right. Uh, So, yeah, another telling of the creation story. And really what's cool, Genesis 1 kind of deals, like, on a macro level. Mm -hmm. And this is more about people. Micro and, like, our relationship with God and that, like, intimate uh, God walking among us even before um, Jesus walked on the earth. Oh, cool. Okay. So, if we're looking at Genesis 2, um, my assumption, my current perspective, this is the story and God creates Adam, and then Adam uh, needs a companion, so God creates animals, and then God still thinks, like, oh, shoot, Adam's still lonely, so then God takes Adam's rib and is like, here's Eve, and they live happily ever after in the garden. Well, then the serpent asks, uh, tells Eve to... Uh, this is true, this is true, good and but we won't get to that, because no. that's Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and yeah, and then they're kicked out of the garden, blah, blah, blah. But... 
we're gonna stick with chapter two. And uh, I mean, I think you're telling us good. I mean, it's like definitely like the surface level. Uh, if you just read the story, it's kind of what we were told in uh, you know, Sunday school and what we're often. Did you did you watch like some of those cartoons growing up? Like yeah. Good Book yeah. and the Hanna Barbera. Oh man, that's my that's my childhood right there. Yeah, and they always tell it in the same way, and it's like Adam and it's Eve, and they're in the garden, blah blah blah. Yep. I might be Change my perspective. I might be blowing your mind right now. What if I would tell you that Adam is never named in chapter 2 of Genesis? I would want to check my Bible. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. He doesn't get a name until later. Adam doesn't get a name until later. Um, we do see references to a man. Um, and uh, if we look at the Hebrew for that. I knew this was coming. Yep. Well, you did, like, reference that I was going to bring in the Hebrew. Here so we are. It. It's coming right away. Um, so the Hebrew for that is Ha'adam. And so that is where Adam and Adam, that's where that name comes from. Um, however, Ha'adam, like, is probably better translated as either human or earthling. It doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a man. It's more just like this little dust creature yeah. that God has made and then breathed. Like. So it's more of a, it's not a proper noun. It wouldn't be capitalized yeah. in, in English at least. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But it sounds like Adam. Mm -hmm. So that's probably, right, like somewhere that's where it got turned into this title of Adam. Yeah. But really it's a Hebrew word, Ha'adam, mm -hmm. that's not a proper noun that means earthling. And it's, um, it's related to the another Hebrew word, which is uh, Adama, which means earth or clay. So it's literally tying it to that, like this, like I said, like this little earthling that's made from like the dust and dirt and clay of the earth and then breathes life into. So that I, I really appreciate when people are named Adam now because I'm like, oh, you're a little earthling. <laughs> like like we, when we just had uh, Ash Wednesday, you know, not too long ago, we remember that we were dust and the dust we shall return and like, this is literally getting to that. Like the name Adam is just like this reminder of like that dust that we were made from and the dust that we returned to. This creature formed of the dust. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, great. Keep going. You're blowing my mind. This is really good. Yeah. So while this like little earthling um, or Hadam is gender language because that's how Hebrew works. It's similar to Spanish that has L and La um, that are associated with individual words, but you don't necessarily think of you know, like a library having a gender or a book. Having totally. A gender. So, and I studied German and it was der, die, das. Mm -hmm. And, um, so like, uh, cheese is, uh, die Käse. And you don't think of cheese as having a gender, but that's like the female article that's attached to it. Right. So, Interesting. Okay. Right. So we can just think of this as just kind of a, like I said, little earth, like not necessarily having a gender at this point. Um, just like kind of this little humanoid running around. Um, however, like that, that doesn't mean like that this earth like wasn't set apart from everything else in creation, um, because we're told that, uh, they're made in the image of God, uh, which is often referred to as Imago Dei in, uh, Latin. Um, so again, that's like image of God, literally. So I want to, I want to ask about that. Is there in Genesis two, some sort of like, where are you getting that from? Cause I, when I always think about Imago Dei, I think of Genesis one yeah. where, so I think it's 127, and God says, let us make humankind in our image. And so God created them in the image of God. They were created. Yeah. So kind of pulling from that, um, you know, people pull from that story and then just assume that that's where, um, when God was making this little earthling in the, sec the second telling, that it's also the same 
uh, kind of implication of like that they would made in the image of God. Um, same idea. Yeah, same idea. Uh, so from the beginning, there's a special relationship between like this earthling and God um, in terms of you know being created of the earth and uh, and then um, this relationship of like intimate relationship with God uh, in that creation process and in that God was there amongst um, or on the earth walking with this human. Wow, that special of a relationship. And that's so interesting to think about is that that's, right, this is, as we've mentioned, like this is one of the oldest stories in our scriptures. And it specifically is tying into this idea of like what the, at the beginning, right, the essence, the way it should be is with God walking with us and among us, which to me just gives a whole new, like another layer to how we understand the importance of Jesus's incarnation, right? Like Jesus walking and being with us. This is the way it was in the very beginning, actually. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, However, fairly early on, God recognized, like, the need for this little earthling to have um, community and, like, a companion. And I can imagine that um, while there's a special relationship with God and this human, uh, you know, there is still, like, a difference between God and the human. And if God is, you know, wanting to create everything else or, you know, is pulled to like deal with this task over here or that task over there like I mean we can imagine God is busy with a bunch of things that uh maybe they wouldn't always be able to be right there walking with the human like they're always you know they're watching over and everything like that um but God recognized that maybe I they needed to make um like some sort of companion to go with this little earthling uh and so they um Oh, sorry. So I think of this in terms of if we zoom out and think of the Trinity, um, we often talk about the Trinity as kind of this dance of relationship where, um, you know, the Trinity is one and yet three and three and yet one. Uh, and so they're like in it all together, but then also doing stuff that, uh, for one another and that kind of thing. Uh, you yeah. Know, talk about the spirit and Jesus and God and like, uh, it's just like this dance of relationship. And if we think of ourselves as being made in the image of God, it makes sense that um, there would also be like this deep-seated need for relationship. Definitely. Uh, within no, I, I, within I, our communities and everything. Right, and I love, I love the way you've just done that because I do think that there's something really important. Well, it's, it's why I love the idea of the Trinity. It's so complicated and it seems so weird. And for so much of my life, I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but to say like, no, God exists as some type of community. Because right? you think about it, a community is a group of people, yet one community. Mm-hmm. And that's what right, like we say, God is three and yet one. So God exists as some sort of form of loving community. Mm-hmm. And we're made in God's image. So we need community. We need part of the community, too. Um, if so you've read yeah. my, uh, w- one, of the, one of the devotionals for Lent is about what can teen boy bands teach us <laughs> about God. And this is the exact point of, like, teen boy bands are always made. Um, I, I, I go through the whole thing, and it's like it, they sing in five-part harmony. And so that's why New Kids on the Block, everyone loved it. It was five-part harmony. And then you have Backstreet Boys, and then you have Sync, and then you have One Direction. Like, it's every 10 years this happens. And because when people sing in five-part harmony, like, lights up the brain differently. So this yeah. is a strategy of it. But, like, I love that idea of, like, we, we love, like, we're drawn towards communal singing. We're drawn towards five-part harmony. Yeah. That there's just something within us that needs 
another person. Mm-hmm. Another. Yeah. Which I'm guessing is where you're going with this. It is where I'm going. Okay. With this. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. Keep going. No, but I also love the like shameless plug for you. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so God tries to make another earthling as um, as was done before. So like uh, when Ha'adam was made, like God tries that again. Except for this one comes out with gills and fins and is not quite like the earthling from before. And so um, the earthling actually gets tasked with naming all of, like uh, these creatures that God is trying to make these like uh earthlings that god is trying to whoa yeah and so um so what is this how like is this are you like pulling from jewish rabbis interpretation of this no this is is like how it comes across in hebrew in the the, like in the text it says that like god uh you know formed another like tried to form another earthling it wasn't really quite what they were going for like in terms of it wasn't really an earthling and so um it was another creature and so then the Hadam, the little earthling, names it like a fish or names it, uh, you know, other creatures that come along. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Because um, like I said, so God tries again. This one comes out with a trunk and is huge and heavy and not quite like the earthling. And so it's named an elephant. And then God tries again. And this one comes out with sharp teeth and a fluffy mane and hair. And it's not quite like the earthling. And so it's named a lion by the earthling. And then so God like tries again. To, yeah. And makes this thing, and it's and it's like got a long tail, and claws, and whiskers, and Adam's like, oh, that's a cat, and yeah. God's like, I didn't make that. No, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, we have a cat at home. I know there's not cat people out there. That's not even my joke. I heard someone else, like, I think Rob Bell made that joke before. I'm like, oh, that's too funny. I know you're a dog person. Yeah. Well, that's, that's and then, you know, God made this uh, creature that had a long tongue and was just, like, joyful. And, uh, you know, they always call a dog. And God was like, wait, that's my name back. Yes. <laughs> right on track. Um, but anyways, this goes on and on and on and on until all the birds of the air are made, all the fish of the sea are made, all the creatures of the land are made, and all named by that earthling. Um, but yet, no earthling. Uh, no, no, like companion for um, suitable. Adam. Yeah, like suitable companion. Like I mean, obviously, we love our you know dogs, and there's people who, you know, have rats or cats or snakes as pets and stuff. But there's just a different relationship that you have with those thing creatures that you keep as pets versus. Uh, being in relationship with other humans, or at least that's how it's supposed to go. <laughs> <laughs> God has a new idea. Um, and so he puts the little earthling Hadam to sleep and removes one of his rib bones or one of their rib bones at this point and the earthling uh, from the earthling and then forms another earthling. And uh, this person, um, this little earthling is called their like helper and companion um, and is called, so it's Ish is uh, man in Hebrew and Isha is a uh, woman in Hebrew. And so it's like, woman because it's like from the man um and that's the way that god is able to make this like companion to go with the earthling so now we have two earthlings and one is made of the other one in order for them to actually fit together and be a companion so wondering about this um and in your studies as well do you know and i might be putting on the spot and it's okay if you don't know i'm just curious is there any what's the significance of the rib 
And do right, like, where does that come from? Do you know? Is there any like legends about it? I read a little bit about it because it can either be translated as rib or side, um, and so it's almost like just like the taking apart or taking a side of one. Okay. Um. So I kind of almost think of it as like a little bit of dividing the one in order for the two to be made. Um. But I haven't done a whole lot of dig into like the significance of if there's significance of a, being a rib or. I mean, it's like a, it's just such a weird detail that it, it, you, when I when I come across this in the Bible, it, it makes me wonder like. Was there some tribal leader who had one fewer rib than everyone else, and so they like wrote this back into the story to, possible. you know, affirm <laughs> this? Yeah. Anyways. I mean, it's definitely possible because some of this stuff is also lost. Like, right. So this, these stories are passed down through the oral tradition, and so uh, what we read today is a little bit of a combination of all those oral traditions, um, and then it's also been edited and translated, and so. Um, and because it's ancient Hebrew, there's not necessarily a one-to-one translation, and so some of the stuff just gets a little bit messy in terms of what did they actually mean, and th- there might have been a, a significance at one point, um, but we might have lost that. Um, yeah, to interesting. History. No, I'm just curious. Okay. Yeah. Um, so traditionally, when we read this, um, we read helper as kind of a status that's like one who's subordinate to... Um, so remind me what the words were again l the word the two words the, the word helper that you're talking about helper uh we're getting to that oh oh okay yeah i thought you had already said it i thought you had already said it jumping ahead you scooping my hebrew my bad <laughs> no so um traditionally we read um helper as like one who's subordinate to Hadam. so uh we often will hear this in um past literature and sermons and stuff as like the earthling or Adam or Hadam will tell Eve what to do and this is then perpetuated has been perpetuated into the patriarchal idea that a wife will submit and obey to her husband because um of this like status having been established at this moment and then this is where you were jumping to sorry I'm so excited it's good um and so the, if we look closer at this word helper, the Hebrew here is Ezer Kendigo. Oh. So, Ezer Kendigo. Um, and that... Uh, Sounds like a band name. <laughs> a little bit. Um, so trying to like go into this without bringing in too many like gram- grammatical weeds with this, but um, Kendigo means corresponding to or on par with. Um, so this would be... Uh, putting them in a um like equal relationship and not uh, a hierarchical one like, yeah yeah very egalitarian yeah yeah so uh you can look more as um they haven't been named yet but adam and eve were like uh the ish and isha as a helper and uh as a partner or that the two complement each other or even are a counterpart um and the like evidence that we have to support this is that if we go back to God's attempts and failures to make the counterpart, as we discussed before, when uh, God was trying to form another earthling and made lions and elephants and fish and other random birds and cats and dogs, um, it was never like God was never able to make another earthling until the rib was pulled out of Adam's or Adam's the little earthling's uh, body, and then an earthling was formed. From that, 
Um, and so they are supposed to complement each other because it's like one piece of another. One piece of another. And that's what, doesn't Adam even say something like that? Uh, mm-hmm. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh? Yeah. That comes now? That comes right in now. In the story. Yes. Yep. Uh, and so if we look at the first word too, so Ezer, so again, we had Ezer Kendigo, so we looked at Kendigo. If we look at Ezer, this means um, to help, um, to be strong, to be powerful. Uh, Hebrew is a little weird in that sometimes you'll have one word that can mean a whole bunch of things. And so that's why help and strong and powerful might not feel like they fit together. But um, this word is often associated with God. Uh, so, for example, in Genesis chapter 49, verse 25, Jacob says, God of your father who will help you. That help is also Ezer, um, and it's associated cool. with God. Cool, okay. Yeah, and so they might not seem like they fit together, but then you start putting other context clues in it, and it makes more sense of, like, why this one word might mean all of these other words. Uh-huh. Um, and so if we put these two pieces together, Ezer and go, and what we kind of talked about, um, just as God was always intending on being in relationship with humans as a helper, um, you know, even like a powerful counterpart, God wanted us to be in relationship with one another as helpers and partners and like the, that powerful counterpart. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Huh. So this whole idea all along, we've just taken the word helper and attached it to Eve, and I imagine that this has had a lot of, like, you know, like where some suppression ideas come from. Yeah. Certainly. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying is that if you actually look at the Hebrew and you look at, frankly, Ha'adam's response to what happens mm-hmm. and all of the other pieces, it's very much so that this was about creating equal companions, two parts of the same whole, so to speak. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So the whole point to all of this digging that I've done and research that I've done and this whole point of like changing perspectives that I'm trying to point This is really good. Yeah, keep, okay. (laughs) Yeah, is that I think that we can look at this story differently as a story that's calling us into community and relationship and counterpartness um, with each other. So sure, sometimes that can be romantic. Like, um, I mean, we're told that Adam and Eve were like together romantically and like that's how you know the other earthlings were formed um but i really think that the point of the story is that it's um pointing us to the commandment of loving your neighbor in like seven times as many words than when jesus says that later on Ooh, interesting okay say say more about that so it's about loving your neighbor because I, really it's kind of getting that idea this idea of that I mean, I guess that's why I'm wondering about it, is that the the origin of people, mm-hmm. as opposed to person, yeah. is this kind of split. Mm-hmm. But that you're kind of saying where this is cut, what this story is meant to show us is that we're all cut from the same dust. <laughs> yeah. like cut from the same dust, but also like counterparts to each other. So I think it's like where, um, you know, one person might not be able to do something or might be weaker or maybe it's like um isn't able to do something on their own not now, good at hebrew good at hebrew yeah, right like, <laughs> now you have another person that um can be a counterpart to that person and that is maybe good at those things so like i mean if you want to use your example of like not good at hebrew and good at hebrew like uh now we're able to have this discussion about hebrew words and what they might mean and how they might draw us more into the text 
where on your own, like, maybe you could have cracked open a book and read someone who's smarter than me who's good at Hebrew. Sure. But we're able to have this conversation, and now your perspective has changed, and I think both of our faith is then deepened and changed as, like, as we go along. Super cool. This yeah. is good stuff, Rita. Yeah. And, like, I mean, that goes for a lot of things. So, like, you know, there's people who are really talented in music and people who aren't talented in music but love to hear, listen to music. And so that, um, you know, those are, like, counterparts to each other. But it even goes deeper in that, you know, there's some people who are blessed with resources and people who are born into areas that maybe are less blessed with those resources. And we're able to, like, give those resources as a counterpart to the person. So we're not... Uh, any higher up than they are um, but we're able to help them and they're not any higher up than we are but they're able to like receive that help as that counterpart and they can teach us about something else like um, that maybe we're not privy to uh, knowledge wise so far very cool all right no i like that this is good stuff well hey thank you for blowing my mind and giving (laughs) me as well as our listeners another perspective I have a lot to think about tonight. Um, good stuff. Really yeah, cool. Yeah, that was definitely my hope is that um, by giving you this change in perspective for a really well-known story, a story that we hear so many times that um, that maybe this has changed your perspective or maybe it's giving you something to mull over um, as you reflect on this story the next time you're reading it. Definitely. Well, Intern Rita, thank you for all you do. Thanks for coming on. And you, listener, thank you for listening. Share this with family and friends. It's a great thing to be passing around, especially during Lent when folks are looking for devotional resources like this. As always, thanks for listening. Stay in peace.